A tomb unbeknownst to many finds itself some visitors. These visitors, however, will soon become prey. Prey to a cursed tomb and an avenging ghost. The steps they take down into the accursed tomb may very well be their last. And your second tale is Castle of Lavoka, a haunted castle, said to be owned by Baron Drago, long dead for many a hundred years, whose evil presence lingers, permeating every brick and bracket of its stone masonry, makes two epic tales for my epic listeners. Unfortunately, no shoutouts today or Friday, but I promise you next week will be full of tales of the macabre and plenty of shoutouts. I know for a fact that I've gotten a lovely new white tea warlord, and I absolutely do not want to rush their introduction. Stick with me, you little lovelies, and catch you Friday for more remastered old-time classics. Enjoy. And now... The Hall of Fantasy. seen him walking. Oh, this must be their imagination. It ain't their imaginations, I know. I've seen them myself. What are you trying to do? Frighten us? I ain't trying to frighten you none. <laughs> I don't have to. You frighten you. Old Mr. Thomas. The death that walks. Because he'll come for you. <laughs> you come for you. In just a moment... The Hall of Fantasy will present He Who Follows Me. And now for our story. I have before me the diary of a dead man. He and his wife were my best friends. The words he has written down tell a tale so fantastic it's almost impossible to believe. Yet I know that Bill and Helen Mason lived the last few months of their lives in dread fear of the slow steps that followed them. It is late evening as I read his words. I have come to their house now so empty and sit in the large overstuffed leather chair in the library. Outside, rain pummels against the side of the house. The wind blows the fall leaves from the trees and the sound of thunder gives vent to the anger of the storm. There's something in the house. A tension. A fear, perhaps. I feel almost as if Unseen eyes were watching me, as if someone is here with me, here in this room. And so I stopped to read his diary, living words from the pen of a man who sleeps forever. March 3rd. Today, Helen and I came across one of those delightful old southern mansions. 
we decided to stop and make a study of the place. And Helen was especially interested in taking some color pictures to illustrate our lecture series in the fall. Well, I guess no one will mind if we take a look around the place. No, I'm sure they wouldn't. Oh, it's a shame that whoever owns the house and grounds let the place run down this way. It must have been beautiful in its day. Yeah, I imagine it was, Helen. The house could still be saved, renovated. Beautiful place. Oh, wait, wait a minute. I'd like to get a shot from here. Hmm. Ah, if that turns out, it'll make a nice picture. Helen? Mm-hmm? I wonder what that building is over there. Yeah. Right over there, just in back of the house. Oh, well, no one's to stop us. Why don't we take a look? All right, let's do. Can't understand why anyone would let the grounds and house deteriorate so. Well, it must have cost a lot of money to run a place as large as this, darling. The real estate office probably couldn't find a buyer. Yeah, you're probably right. And then the other building doesn't seem to be so run down. No. It's in remarkably fine condition. It must have been built a lot later than the house. It seems to be made of stone. Gray stone. I wonder what it's used for. Don't know. Actually, I believe that someone lived in the old house not too long ago, and I think probably the second building was constructed during that time. Well, it's a crime to let a beautiful old place run down like this. Mm. Well, here we are. Bill? Yes, dear? It doesn't have any windows. Yes, I noticed that. Seems rather strange. Oh, well, maybe it was used for a store. Oh, look at the door. What's the matter with it? I think the lock's broken. Yeah, you're right. Why don't we take a look inside? All right. The lock's all rusted, too. There. Now, that does it. And now to see what's inside. Well, there might not be any windows, but there's a skylight that lets in the sun. Come on, let's go in. All right. I noticed. Helen, what's that in the center of the floor? <laughs> That's just what I was going to say. This isn't a storehouse by any stretch of the imagination. It's a mausoleum. That thing in the center of the floor is a sarcophagus. Stone coffin. There's nothing else in here. Just that... that thing in the center. And yet I feel as if... it's crowded. As if there are things here that we can't see. That's nonsense, darling. Hey, look, notice how the sun falls across the head of the sarcophagus. Yes, I wonder if we have light enough to take a picture. Well, I doubt it, but you could try. Well, I might as well if it turns out... Yeah. Right. What are you two doing in here? Oh, we noticed the lock was broken, and so we came on in. You shouldn't have done that. Why not? We didn't do any harm. Well, I'm sure of that, but he won't like it. Who won't like it? The thing that sleeps in that stone coffin. What are you talking about? Just what I said. You didn't notice the writing over the door when you came in, did you? What writing? You didn't notice it then. That's a shame. Because you didn't know what you was getting into. Getting into? Look, I'm sorry, but I just don't understand. We didn't hurt anything. We're not intending to steal anything. But that don't make no difference. He doesn't care what your reasons were. Who is he? They called him Mr. Thomas when he was living. They called him the death that walks. Now that he's dead. The death that walks. How did he come to get that name? Because people around here have seen him at night. But he's dead. That's right, he's dead. And they've seen him walking. That must be their imagination. They hate their imaginations, I know. I've seen them myself. What are you trying to do? Frighten us? I ain't trying to frighten you, none. I don't have to. You frighten you. 
Oh, Mr. Thomas. The death that walks. I uh, think we'd better go, Bill. You don't believe what I'm telling you. That's all right with me. I don't care what you believe, but you listen to what I'm saying now. If I was you, I'd get away from here as fast as I could. Not just from this place, but from the town, this part of the country. Why? You want me to tell you a little of the story? Yes. All right. Maybe you'll believe me then. Old Tannis came here from someplace in Europe. I say old, but he really wasn't old. Just seemed that way. He brought the house and grounds here and had them clean up. Till the place looked like it was brand new. Then he started building this here building. There's something funny about Tannis. Something in his eyes that, that made you frightened of him. His eyes, they looked like the eyes of a, of a dead man. He didn't act like anyone I ever knew. He was always talking about death. Always telling me he could come back after death. I was the caretaker then, just like I am now. After this building was completed, I used to watch him at night when he'd come out here. It seemed like he was in some sort of a trance. He'd stay out here for hours. And when he'd come back to the house, his, his eyes would glisten and shine. So you couldn't hardly look at him. A week before he died, he told me that as long as I lived, I was to take care of this place. Because if I didn't, he, he'd come back and kill me. And then he died. Just like that. And he was put in here, in his coffin. And one night, about two months later, when the moon was full, I heard a noise. And when I come out to look, I saw the door to this place opening. And him come out in the moonlight. Footsteps. Sounded queer and hollow like. I turned around and I could see his face in the moonlight. Pale and pasty. Sick looking. And those eyes of his seemed like two burning coals of fire. He seemed to be looking at me. And I heard him say, They have disturbed me, and the moon has awakened me. I shall follow them. That's what he said. And I heard it just as plain as you're hearing me. And then he vanished in the night. Towards morning, I heard his footsteps again. And I heard that big iron door closing. And I knew he was back. Next day in town, I heard that Alf Cummins had died the night before, screaming something about not meaning to go into the mausoleum. I knew who killed him. And that's all there is to the story? Oh, that's just part of it. It's happened again and again in the last ten years since he's been dead. Folks around here say he'll follow you wherever you go if you come inside here. Well, in that case, why haven't you been killed? Because he needs me. <laughs> he ain't going to kill me. But if I was you, I... I'd get out of this part of the country just as soon as I could. Let's go back to the hotel, Bill. Yeah, that's all I do. You gonna get away from here? Yes, we'd better get going. Yeah, I wish I'd have been here when you come, but I was in town getting this lock. You can't go around leaving this door unlocked. Yeah, that ought to satisfy him. There's an inscription, Bill. Yes. Yeah. That's the writing I mean. Got a nice sentiment, ain't it? If you enter here, into the realm of death, I shall follow you. 
and bring him with me. March 3rd, later. I sit here and write these words. It's quite late and the moon has risen full in the sky. Helen is standing by the window looking out. For some reason, I am frightened. And yet I know that a few months from now I shall only laugh at the memory of my fright. However, in the morning, I do believe that we will leave this place. Yes, for tonight at least. I think we'll be leaving tomorrow, Helen. Well, I'm glad. I don't believe the caretaker story, and yet I'm afraid. Yeah. It's a beautiful night. Yes, isn't it? That moon's so big and full that it could... Bill. Yes, dear? Look down there at the street. There's a man down there. There's nothing to be... Bill! He's looking straight up at us and pointing to us at... Look at his face, Bill. Look at his face. Hey, pasty looking. And his eyes like two burning coals of fire. Back now to our story. Adapted especially for radio by Richard Thorne. Entitled, He Who Follows Me. As I read these pages, the words stare up at me, and their formations bring to life a nameless terror which I feel all around me. Outside, the storm still rages, yet the sound of it fades from my mind as the terror in the pages of the volume I hold before me becomes increasingly apparent. March 3rd. Still later. The man down in the street, whomever he was, left after about ten minutes. He has given us quite a fright. Where I felt any doubts as to whether or not we should leave this place. They've all been dispelled now. Helen has just gone to bed. I think I shall do the same. If we're going to leave in the morning, you'd better get to sleep, Bill. I want to get out of here as soon as I can. Yes, I was just coming to bed, Helen. That man we saw... Yes? It might be only coincidence. Do you really believe that, Helen? Are you trying to talk yourself into it? I guess I'm trying to rationalize it. I'm afraid I'm not doing a very good job of it. I don't know what to believe. It could be coincidence, but... somehow I'm afraid it isn't. Then you think that... Maybe. Now, don't worry about it, Helen. But tomorrow will be several hundred miles from here. And I doubt if whomever it was will follow us. They sound just like the steps the caretaker described to us. Yes, but we saw him walk away. He didn't believe in the room upstairs. Well, it's probably someone else. No, I know it's not. All right, all right. Just a minute, I'll call the desk. This is William Mason in 316. Can you tell me who has the room directly above mine? Clerk's going to check. Yes? Oh, I see. No, no, thank you very much. What did the clerk say? The room directly above ours is unoccupied. March 
March 4th. We left the hotel a short time after we heard the steps. We went immediately to our car and drove all night and all day. And are stopping now in a motel almost a thousand miles away. It's reassuring to know that he could not possibly follow us. I am very tired. Go to bed and get an early start in the morning. Helen? You asleep? No. What are you thinking about? The words that were written above the mausoleum door. If you enter here into the realm of death, I shall follow you and bring him with me. Life. 
July 10th. Still nothing. August 19th. For the past two months, a feeling of peace and security has enveloped the house. Helen and I have been able to go around with no sense of danger nor of dread. But last night, that feeling was shattered. Gary had come out for dinner. It was almost ten o'clock. Well, it's about time for me to get along. Oh, it's only ten, Gary. Sure, you don't have to go so soon. I'm afraid I must, Helen. Tomorrow's a working day for me. I thought I might be able to get you into a game of chess. Oh, some other time, Bill. Well, next time, don't stay away so long. Don't worry. I think we ought to... Tell me, is someone upstairs? No. Listen. (gasps) He's back. Who's back? The man we told you about. Those are his footsteps. I know them anywhere. I should. I've heard them enough. What are you going to do? Look, will you come upstairs with me, Gary? Yes, of course. You stay here, Helen. Oh, don't go up there, Bill. Don't let him, Gary. No, Helen. This time I'm going to meet him face to face. And I'm going with you. Oh, you're not. You're going to stay right here. Ready, Gary? Yes. Okay, let's go. Be careful. As careful as we can. If he is up there, what are you going to do? I don't know. We'll find that out when the time comes. Our steps came from the guest room. I don't hear anything. Well, let's see if he's in there. Stand back, Gary. I'm going to open the door. Right. It's empty. There's no one in here. But I heard someone up here. Yes, he was here, but he's gone. I can feel it when he's near me. I know that... Come on. Helen! Helen, where are you? Helen! There she is. In the front room. Helen. What's the matter, Helen? Helen, answer me. She can't do. She's sitting there with her eyes wide open. She's dead. August 23rd. We buried her today. As I sit here in the empty house writing this, I know that Thomas will come for me too. I am writing this in the hope that someone will find it, read it, and maybe understand my death. It's lonely here. Yet, suddenly I have the feeling that I'm not alone. Someone is here with me. He is here, in this room with me. I'm afraid to turn and meet him. Have those eyes of his burning into me. And yet, yet I must. I pray that someone reads this. Perhaps he will... He will... imagination. 
But I can't shake that feeling. There is someone here. portrayed in these programs are fictional, and any similarity to actual events or persons living or dead is purely coincidental. Fantasy will present The Castle of Lavoca. And now for tonight's story, an original radio drama by Richard Thorne entitled The Castle of Lavoca. We were on vacation in Europe. It was a warm summer's day. Doris and I had cycled out from town, intending to find some inn along the way at which we'd spend the night. <sighs> What time is it, Grant? Oh, uh, let me see. It's about, uh, about a quarter after four, Doris. I think we'd better find some place to stay before it gets too late. Well, according to the map, there should be a little town about a mile away from here. Grant? Yes, dear? Look, over there. Where? Right over there. Hey! Why, it's an old feudal castle. That's just what it is. Hey, let's stop a minute. Right. Well, will you look at that? Oh, I've never seen anything like it. It looks like a, well, like history come to life. A walled fortress. 
Look at those three towers rising up from the walls. Oh, the whole thing seems to have been built in the form of a triangle. There only seems to be three sides to it. Well, from what I can see from here, it looks to be in pretty good condition. Mm, I wonder how old it is. Hey, Dor, I- I've got an idea. It's too late tonight, but why don't we find the inn and then tomorrow morning see if we can't go through that place? That sounds pretty good. As a matter of fact, you know, I wouldn't mind spending a day or two around here. It's it's beautiful country. Well, I say we do it. What about you? <laughs> you twisted my arm. <laughs> Grant. Uh, yes, dear? Maybe we shouldn't. Shouldn't what? Shouldn't go through that place. Well, why not? I don't know. It's it's just that suddenly I... I felt cold inside. <laughs> You're just remembering a lot of stories about old castles and ghosts. There's nothing to worry about, Dor. The man who probably built that castle and all his descendants are only memories now. Memories can't hurt you. When we had first sighted the castle, I was quite surprised, because there was no indication of its existence on the map I carried. And what Doris had felt, I had felt also. When I first looked upon it, I felt, as she had said, cold inside. What it was, I didn't know. But that feeling had passed, and the only feeling I had was one of enthusiasm for the adventure that was to come the following day. About a mile from the castle, we found the town indicated on the map, a little place called Lavoca. It was no more than a village with a population of a few hundred. The inn was on the other side of the town, and as we pedaled through, the townspeople looked at us curiously. It took us only a few minutes to reach the inn and to enter it. A tall, dark man sat at a table, and he looked up as we passed him. Then he turned away again, obviously lost in thought. We were in a large room full of tables. There was no such thing as a reception desk, save for the bar at one side of the room, which served a double purpose, a bar and a registration desk. A large man with pounds of extra flesh stood behind it. Are uh, you the proprietor? (coughs) Do you uh, understand English? I do. (laughs) I was afraid I wouldn't. It happens that I do. Well, we'd like a room for two or three days. I I hope you have something. All of my rooms are empty save one. It is occupied by the man you passed on your way in. I will be able to accommodate you. You are uh, American? Yes, that's right. I was surprised to see you with the world so close to war. We won't be in this one. Perhaps. I do not have many visitors these days. The hospitality of my inn is offered to you. If I may be of service to you while you are here, please let me know. As a matter of fact, you can. In what way? Well, we, uh, we passed an old castle on our way here. Do you think it would be possible for you us to... You must mean Lavoca Castle. Why? Well, don't know its name. It's laid out in the form a of a... triangle. Yes. Yes, I know the castle. It has a particular significance to the people of this area. Well, can you tell us anything about it? Later. After you've had the evening meal, you shall hear of it. Come. I shall show you to your room. As he led us upstairs to our room, we passed again the man who sat alone at the table. 
He was staring at us and made no attempt to hide the fact. As we went up the stairs to the second floor, I wondered why the innkeeper had seemed so afraid when I mentioned the castle. I had no time for further speculation, however, at least for the next hour. Our time was spent in cleaning up, and Doris kept talking of other things. Well, I'm ready to go back downstairs, Grant. What about you? Hey, look at the sunset, Doris. Oh, oh it's a beautiful sight, Grant. Grant? Yes? Look where I'm pointing to. Isn't that Lavoca Castle? Yes, it is. Stands out so in the sunset that it, it seems to be on fire. Grant, did you watch the innkeeper's face when you asked him about the castle? He seemed surprised. I I wouldn't call it that. I, I'd call it frightened. Perhaps you're right. And perhaps we, we should forget about seeing that castle tomorrow. Perhaps we should start back. We'll see. <laughs> you know, Dora, you make it seem so... so serious. We stood there by the window, looking out at the medieval structure that stood there at the base of the mountains. That afternoon, when we had first seen the castle, it had seemed to be a beautiful relic of a dead past. But as we watched it, bathed in the redness of the setting sun, it seemed to be a mass of molten rock. Little by little, the sun slipped down and the gray shades of dusk moved out towards the castle, advancing slowly, covering the walls with the dark shadows of night. And then it was gone from our sight swallowed up in the darkness. I had a fantastic thought for a moment that Lavoca Castle was the dwelling place of... of death. Well, the meal was excellent, and we were both quite hungry. At length. Well, it was over, and our host walked over to us. Some brandy, perhaps? Not for me. Do you? Or perhaps later. Not now. If you do not mind, I shall join you. Yes, of course. <clears throat> you say you wish to know about Lavoca Castle. Would you object to another at this table? I mean, another besides myself. Oh, no, of course not. Marek? Yes? Marek, come here. What do you want? They desire to know of Lavoca Castle. Uh, there are strangers here. Yes, you you must have seen us come in this afternoon. You you were sitting right over there at that table. Oh, yes, yes, I remember. Uh, please, sit down, won't you? Mm. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, I know of the castle, perhaps more than anyone. But we'd like to learn some of its history. I will tell you the story. Then we shall see whether you are still interested in Lavoca Castle. The castle was built centuries ago, sometime in the late 1600s. It was built by Drago, the first and only baron of Lavoca, a man renowned for his cruelty and his prowess in the arts of war. War was his life, the only life he knew, and he lived for the feel of a strong blade in his hand. He lived for one purpose, to kill. It is said that the only thing Drago feared was, was death. He dealt with it almost every day of his life, yet he feared it. He feared the day that he would die. It is said that he made a pact with Satan himself so that he would not die. This is the legend. One night, shortly after sunset in the dead of winter, they say a carriage drove through here. The 
carriage drawn by four coal black horses. Get out there! Get out! The carriage, too, was black, and the driver was clothed in a livery of black. He whipped the horses and drove them as if his life depended on it. Get out there! Get out! No one saw who rode inside the carriage, but on its heels there ran a pack of snarling, howling wolves. Those who saw what happened that night were frightened, almost to death. The carriage drove straight to the gate of Lavoca Castle. And the huge drawbridge was lowered to admit the entrance. The carriage rumbled across it, but the pack of black wolves stayed outside. They stayed outside, and the sound of their howling voices drifted back to East Town, and the people were afraid. People looked up towards the castle, and they said it was bathed in an eerie luminescence. The visitor to the castle was there for the better part of three hours. And then the drawbridge was lowered again, and the carriage rumbled out. It seemed to be going even faster. And the driver whipped and drove the horses. Till their mouths were white with foam and their eyes wide with fear. The carriage rushed through the center of the town, and the people were so afraid, they turned their eyes away, lest by looking upon it, they should die. those who said they heard the sound of a crying baby coming from inside the carriage, but they thought they were mistaken. The following evening, the news was brought to them that the Baron's son had disappeared and was nowhere to be found. And as the man stood before them, telling the townspeople of what had happened, the shadows grew together in the night, and from the distance they heard... You are listening to the tale of The Castle of Lavoca on tonight's journey down the corridors of the Hall of Fantasy. We'll return to our story in just a moment. And now back to tonight's story, entitled The Castle of Lavoca. We sat there around a large oak table and listened to a story so fantastic it defied description. There were four of us in that room, the innkeeper, Doris and myself, and Mark, the storyteller. He continued with his story. The shadows grew together in the night, and from the distance they heard the howling cry of a wolf. The face of the baron's servant blanched with fear, and he turned and made his way back to the castle. He never reached it alive. Well, of course, this is nothing but legend. Isn't that right? It is legend, yes, but it is also truth. But it can... What Marek says is true. I would stake my life on it. Let him go on with the story. I'd, uh, I'd like a little brandy first. <laughs> I thought perhaps you might. For you? Thank you, no. Uh, now then, uh, go on with your story. By your leave. As I said, they found the servant outside the castle gate, and there was a great uproar about his death. But the baron issued an edict that it was never to be discussed. And, of course, the people obeyed him, for by now they lived in superstitious fear of the baron. I must add that the night the carriage appeared, that night the baron's son was carried away. The war began. Of course, the baron went off to the war and distinguished himself in the field. 
The war was over in due time, and the Baron returned to Lavoca Castle. He lived a quiet life in the years that followed. But twenty-one years to the night his son disappeared, it happened again. Again, it was a cold winter's night. The snow crunched under your feet, and the air was brisk and biting. From the north, the wind began to blow. And from out of the night, the carriage appeared again. It was exactly the same as that which had happened 21 years before. Get up! Get there! It was the same driver, the same carriage, and it even appeared to be the same horses. It flashed through the town and up the road leading to the castle. And in the back of it, the devil dogs ran, snarling and howling. Until the carriage rolled into the castle sat outside as they had a generation before. But it was not for long, for in a few minutes the carriage appeared again. There was no doubt about it this time, for very clearly the townspeople heard... No, let me go! Let me go! In the name of... another moment the carriage was gone. The following day the townspeople learned that the Baron's wife had disappeared. They knew who had come to claim her. That night war broke out in Romania and the Baron hastened to join the conflict. If I understand you correctly, both times the carriage appeared, war broke out? That is correct. What happened then? Just as he had done before, the Baron distinguished himself in the war and returned to La Boca Castle. By this time, the Baron was almost 60. Peace reigned for a period of 40 years, and sometime during that time, the Baron disappeared. He died? I say he disappeared. When did he die? There are no records of his ever dying. They say he lies at rest in one of the catacombs beneath the castle, waiting. Waiting? Waiting for what? Waiting for the war. The war? The black carriage has appeared each time war begins, no matter where it happens. And in each war, there has been a report of a man who calls himself Baron Laboca, fighting in the battles. That's fantastic. Call it what you will, but when the last war began, the carriage appeared and drove straight up to the castle. I was but a boy then, and I saw it with my own eyes. The night before that, we heard the wolves... Each time the carriage appears, the wolves appear the night before to warn us of its coming, to let us know we should guard ourselves. Now that you have heard the story, do you still wish to visit Lovoka Castle? No. Yes. I don't care what you say. I can't bring myself to believe your story. I think it's nothing but superstitious nonsense. But, Graham... I'm sorry, darling. But I want to visit that castle. If you want, you can remain here. No, I'll go with you. What about you, Mark? Will you show us the way? Enter the castle with us? You say that in such a way that if I were to refuse, I would appear to be a coward. I shall go with you, American. Tomorrow afternoon will be all right with you? Yes. Let us have a drink to your trip. That's a good idea. Will uh, you join us, madame? Yes, I, I will. All right, then. To your trip tomorrow. To... Lavoca Castle. Uh, Lavoca Castle. Castle. We 
went upstairs to our room shortly after that. The story Mark had told had been quite long and the hour was late. We went to bed, yet neither of us could sleep. Grant. Yes, dear? Don't you think we should go home soon? Why? Well, how long have we been over here? Since the middle of May. Well, this is August 30th. I've, I've seen enough of Europe. I want to go home. I think three and a half months is enough time to spend... All right, Dora. When we get back to Murat's, we'll make arrangements to go home. Good. About tomorrow... What's that? What? I heard an animal outside. Oh, that was just a dog, Dora. Go to sleep. All right. Good night. Good night. It was the following afternoon. For some reason, we hadn't been able to get started until late in the afternoon. It was after three o'clock when we started out. We discarded our bicycles in favor of horses, which Mark had been able to procure for us. The trip up to Lavoca Castle was uneventful, and within an hour, we stood at the edge of the drawbridge, looking into the courtyard. Shall we go across? Of course. It doesn't show any signs of age. It has been perfectly preserved. I'll take you on a tour of the inside. We can leave the horses here. Uh, I'll give you a hand, Doris. That's all right, Grant. I can manage. All right. Now, just follow me. Mark led across the courtyard and into the gray building. The huge wooden doors were slightly ajar at the entrance, and with an effort, Mark pushed them open and led us inside. We were in a huge hall, which must have served as both a reception hall and a dining place. From there, he led us into the baron's chambers, his wife's, which formed two sides of the massive triangle. Members of the retinue must have occupied the third side of the triangle. We visited each of the three towers which looked out across the countryside, giving a clear view of anything approaching. And then Mark led us down into the cells beneath the castle. Coming finally to another stairway, he turned to me. This leads down into the catacombs. Well, let's go down and take a look at them. Perhaps we... Oh, nonsense, Dor. We both have flashlights. I see you brought a gun, Mark. Nothing could hurt us. Let's go. All right. Oh, it, it seems colder down here. Yes, it does. I shall show you where they say Drago is sleeping. What time is it, Grant? Well, it's, uh... Well, it's 7.30. We have been in the castle for several hours. We have been down here in the lower sections where there is no light for over an hour. I shall show you the Baron's resting place, and then we shall return to the inn. This is the chamber where he sleeps. Oh, Grant. There is someone in here. This isn't a joke, is it, Mark? I have never been down here before. It is no joke, as you call it. I want to have a look at him. No, Grant, don't. I can't believe it. This man seems to be sleeping, yet... Yet he's not breathing. Let's get out of here, Grant. All right. I've been nervous ever since I heard that dog last night. You say you heard a dog? Yes. There are no dogs in this area. No animal will come within miles of the town and castle. The animals feel it. That was no dog you heard last night. 
You mean... We have no time to lose. We must get out of here. Follow me. Yes. It was the warning you heard. I knew we shouldn't have come. Don't worry, Dor. We'll get out of this. I wish I felt that sure. Uh, the horses are out in the courtyard. It won't be long now. The horses are on the other side. What are we going to do? Back, back over here in the shadow. Yes. Perhaps you will not see us. Grant, the drive. Be quiet. What's that? What's that noise? I don't know. The driver's pointing to the doorway. Grant. It's the Baron. Baron Lovoka. He's walking towards the carriage. Quiet. He's looking this way. Oh, he, he's turning away. He's getting into the carriage. Get up! Get up there! Before our eyes, the carriage wheeled around the courtyard and then thundered across the drawbridge and out into the night, followed by the snarling wolves. We found our horses later and went back to town. When we returned to the inn, the innkeeper was relieved to see us. The carriage drove through here a while ago. I thought you'd all be dead. Providence must have had an eye on us. Well, it will happen tomorrow. What will happen tomorrow? The war. The war will begin. The innkeeper was right. The night we saw the carriage in the courtyard of the castle of Oka was August 31st. On September 1, 1939, the Germans marched into Poland and the Second World War began. portrayed in these programs are fictional, and any similarity to actual events or persons living or dead is purely coincidental. Come with me. 
night shortly after sunset in the dead of winter, they say a carriage drove through here. A carriage drawn by four cold black horses. The carriage, too, was black, and the driver was clothed in a livery of black. He whipped the horses and drove them as if his life depended on it. No one saw who rode inside the carriage. But on its heels there ran a pack of snarling, howling wolves. He said that Drago, Baron of Lavoca, was going to make a pact with Satan himself. In just a moment, the Hall of Fantasy will present the Castle of Lavoca. And now for tonight's story. An original radio drama by Richard Thorne entitled, The Castle of Lavoca. We were on vacation in Europe. It was a warm summer's day. Doris and I had cycled out from town, intending to find some inn along the way at which we'd spend the night. <sighs> what time is it, Grant? Oh, uh, let me see. It's about, uh... About a quarter after four, Doris. I think we'd better find some place to stay before it gets too late. Well, according to the map, there should be a little town about a mile away from here. Grant? Yes, dear? Look, over there. Where? Right over there. Hey! Why, it's an old feudal castle. That's just what it is. Hey, let's stop a minute. Right. Well, will you look at that? Oh, I've never seen anything like it. It looks like, a, well, like history come to life. A walled fortress. Look at those three towers rising up from the walls. Oh, the whole thing seems to have been built in the form of a triangle. There only seems to be three sides to it. Well, from what I can see from here, it looks to be in pretty good condition. Mm, I wonder how old it is. Hey, Dor, I- I've got an idea. It's too late tonight, but why don't we find the inn and then tomorrow morning see if we can't go through that place? That sounds pretty good. As a matter of fact, you know, I wouldn't mind spending a day or two around here. It's it's beautiful country. Well, I say we do it. What about you? Oh, you twisted my arm. <laughs> Grant. Uh, yes, dear? Maybe we shouldn't. Shouldn't what? Shouldn't go through that place. Well, why not? I don't know. It's, it's just that suddenly I... I felt cold inside. <laughs> You're just remembering a lot of stories about old castles and ghosts. There's nothing to worry about, Dor. The man who probably built that castle and all his descendants are only memories now. Memories can't hurt you. When we had first sighted the castle, I was quite surprised because there was no indication of its existence on the map I carried. And what Doris had felt, I had felt also. When I first looked upon it, I felt, as she had said, cold inside. What it was, I didn't know. But that feeling had passed. And the only feeling I had was one of enthusiasm for the adventure that was to come the following day. About a mile from the castle, we found the town indicated on the map. A little place called Lavoca. It was no more than a village with a population of a few hundred. The inn was on the other side of the town, and as we pedaled through, the townspeople looked at us curiously. It took us only a few minutes to reach the inn and to enter it. A tall, dark man sat at a table, and he looked up as we passed him. Then he turned away again, obviously lost in thought. 
We were in a large room full of tables. There was no such thing as a reception desk, save for the bar at one side of the room, which served a double purpose, a bar and a registration desk. A large man with pounds of extra flesh stood behind it. Are uh, you the proprietor? <clears throat> do you uh, understand English? I do. <laughs> I was afraid... But I wouldn't. It happens that I do. Well, we'd like a room for two or three days. I, I hope you have something. All of my rooms are empty save one. It is occupied by the man you passed on your way in. I would be able to accommodate you. You are uh, American? Yes, that's right. I'm surprised to see you with the world so close to war. We won't be in this one. Perhaps. I do not have many visitors these days. The hospitality of my inn is offered to you. If I may be of service to you while you are here, please let me know. As a matter of fact, you can. In what way? Well, we, uh... We passed an old castle on our way here. Do you think it would be possible for you us to... You must mean... Lavuka Castle. Why? Well, don't know its name. It's laid out in the form a of a... triangle. Yes. Yes, I know the castle. It has a particular significance to the people of this area. Well, can you tell us anything about it? Later. After I've had the evening meal, you shall hear of it. Come. I shall show you to your room. As he led us upstairs to our room, we passed again the man who sat alone at the table. He was staring at us and made no attempt to hide the fact. As we went up the stairs to the second floor, I wondered why the innkeeper had seemed so afraid when I mentioned the castle. I had no time for further speculation, however, at least for the next hour. Our time was spent in cleaning up, and Doris kept talking of other things. Well, I'm ready to go back downstairs, Grant. What about you? Hey, look at the sunset, Doris. Oh, oh it's a beautiful sight, Grant. Grant? Yes? Look where I'm pointing to. Isn't that Lavoca Castle? Yes, it is. Stands out so in the sunset that it, it seems to be on fire. Grant, did you watch the innkeeper's face when you asked him about the castle? He seemed surprised. I I wouldn't call it that. I, I'd call it frightened. Perhaps you're right. And perhaps we, we should forget about seeing that castle tomorrow. Perhaps we should start back. We'll see. <laughs> you know, Dora, you make it seem so... Was so serious. We stood there by the window, looking out at the medieval structure that stood there at the base of the mountains. That afternoon, when we had first seen the castle, it had seemed to be a beautiful relic of a dead past. But as we watched it, bathed in the redness of the setting sun, it seemed to be a mass of molten rock. Little by little, the sun slipped down and the gray shades of dusk moved out towards the castle, advancing slowly, covering the walls with the dark shadows of night. And then it was gone from our sight, swallowed up in the darkness. I had a fantastic thought for a moment that Lavoca Castle was the dwelling place of... of death. Well, the meal was excellent, and we were both quite hungry. At length... Well, it was over, and our host walked over to us. Some brandy, perhaps. Not for me. 
Do you? Or perhaps later. Not now. If you do not mind, I shall join you. Yes, of course. <clears throat> you say you wish to know about Lavoca Castle. Would you object to another at this table? I mean, another besides myself. Oh, no, of course not. Marek? Yes? Marek, come here. Uh, what do you want? They desire to know of Lavoca Castle. Uh, there are strangers here? Yes, you you must have seen us come in this afternoon. You, you were sitting right over there at that table. Oh, yes, yes, I remember. Uh, please, sit down, won't you? Mm. Thank you. Yes, I know of the castle. Perhaps more than anyone. But we'd like to learn some of its history. I will tell you the story. Then we shall see whether you are still interested in Lavoca Castle. The castle was built centuries ago, sometime in the late 1600s. It was built by Drago, the first and only baron of Lavoca, a man renowned for his cruelty and his prowess in the arts of war. War was his life, the only life he knew, and he lived for the feel of a strong blade in his hand. He lived for one purpose, to kill. It is said that the only thing Drago feared was, was death. He dealt with it almost every day of his life, yet he feared it. He feared the day that he would die. It is said that he made a pact with Satan himself so that he would not die. This is the legend. One night, shortly after sunset, in the dead of winter, they say a carriage drove through here. A carriage drawn by four coal-black horses. Get out there! Get out! The carriage, too, was black, and the driver was clothed in a livery of black. He whipped the horses and drove them as if his life depended on it. Get out there! Get out! No one saw who rode inside the carriage, but on its heels there ran a pack of snarling, howling wolves. Those who saw what happened that night were frightened, almost to death. The carriage drove straight to the gate of Lavoca Castle. And the huge drawbridge was lowered to a little entrance. The carriage rumbled across it, but the pack of black wolves stayed outside. They stayed outside, and the sound of their howling voices drifted back to this town, and the people were afraid. People looked up towards the castle, and they said it was bathed in an eerie luminescence. The visitor to the castle was there for the better part of three hours, and then the drawbridge was lowered again, and the carriage rumbled out. It seemed to be going even faster. And the driver whipped and drove the horses. Yes, Till their mouths were white with foam and their eyes wide with fear. The carriage rushed through the center of the town and the people were so afraid, they turned their eyes away. Lest by looking upon it, they should die. There were those who said they heard the sound of a crying baby coming from inside the carriage. But they thought they were mistaken. The following evening, the news was brought to them that the Baron's son had disappeared and was nowhere to be found. And as the man stood before them, telling the townspeople of what had happened, the shadows grew together in the night, and from the distance they heard...
are listening to the tale of The Castle of Lavoca on tonight's journey down the corridors of the Hall of Fantasy. We'll return to our story in just a moment. And now back to tonight's story, entitled The Castle of Lavoca. We sat there around the large oak table and listened to a story so fantastic it defied description. There were four of us in that room, the innkeeper, Doris, and myself, and Mark, the storyteller. He continued with his story. The shadows grew together in the night, and from the distance they heard the howling cry of a wolf. The face of the baron's servant blanched with fear, and he turned and made his way back to the castle. He never reached it alive. Well, of course, this is nothing but legend. Isn't that right? It is legend, yes, but it is also truth. But it can What Marek says is true. I would stake my life on it. Let him go on with the story. I'd, uh, I'd like a little brandy first. <laughs> I thought perhaps you might. For you? Thank you, no. Uh, now then, uh, go on with your story. By your leave. As I said, they found the servant outside the castle gate, and there was a great uproar about his death. But the baron issued an edict that it was never to be discussed. And, of course, the people obeyed him, for by now they lived in superstitious fear of the baron. I must add that the night the carriage appeared, that night the baron's son was carried away. The war began. Of course, the baron went off to the war and distinguished himself in the field. The war was over in due time, and the baron returned to Lavoca Castle. He lived a quiet life in the years that followed. But twenty-one years to the night his son disappeared, it happened again. Again, it was a cold winter's night. The snow crunched under your feet, and the air was brisk and biting. From the north, the wind began to blow. Then, from out of the night... The carriage appeared again. It was exactly the same as that which had happened 21 years before. Get up! Get up there! It was the same driver, the same carriage, and it even appeared to be the same horses. It flashed through the town and up the road leading to the castle, and in the back of it, the devil dogs ran, snarling and howling. Until the carriage rolled into the castle... They sat outside as they had a generation before. But it was not for long, for in a few minutes the carriage appeared again. There was no doubt about it this time, for very clearly the townspeople heard... No, let me go! Let me go! In the name of... in another moment the carriage was gone the following day the townspeople learned that the baron's wife had disappeared they knew who had come to claim her that night war broke out in Romania and the baron hastened to join the conflict if I understand you correctly both times the carriage appeared war broke out that is correct what happened then? Just as he had done before, the Baron distinguished himself in the war and returned to Laboca Castle. By this time, the Baron was almost 60. Peace reigned for a period of 40 years, and sometime during that time, the Baron disappeared. He died? 
I say he disappeared. When did he die? There are no records of his ever dying. They say he lies at rest in one of the catacombs beneath the castle, waiting. Waiting? Waiting for what? Waiting for the war. The war? The black carriage has appeared each time war begins, no matter where it happens. And in each war, there has been a report of a man who calls himself Baron Laboca, fighting in the battles. That's fantastic. Call it what you will, but when the last war began, the carriage appeared and drove straight up to the castle. I was but a boy then, and I saw it with my own eyes. The night before that, we heard the wolves... Each time the carriage appears, the wolves appear the night before to warn us of its coming, to let us know we should guard ourselves. Now that you have heard the story, do you still wish to visit the Volker Castle? No. Yes. I don't care what you say. I can't bring myself to believe your story. I think it's nothing but superstitious nonsense. But, Graham... I'm sorry, darling. But I want to visit that castle. If you want, you can remain here. No, I'll go with you. What about you, Mark? Will you show us the way? Enter the castle with us? You say that in such a way that if I were to refuse, I would appear to be a coward. I shall go with you, American. Tomorrow afternoon will be all right with you? Yes. Let us have a drink to your trip. That's a good idea. Will uh, you join us, madame? Yes, I, I will. All right, then. To your trip tomorrow. To... Lavoca Castle. Uh, Lavoca Castle. Castle. We went upstairs to our room shortly after that. The story Mark had told had been quite long and the hour was late. We went to bed, yet neither of us could sleep. Grant. Yes, dear. Don't you think we should go home soon? Why? Well, how long have we been over here? Yeah, since the middle of May. Well, this is August 30th. I've, I've seen enough of Europe. I want to go home. I think three and a half months is enough time to spend... Well, all right, Dora. When we get back to Murat's, we'll make arrangements to go home. Good. About tomorrow... What's that? What? I, I heard an animal outside. Oh, that was just a dog, Dora. Go to sleep. All right. Good night. Good night. It was the following afternoon. For some reason, we hadn't been able to get started until late in the afternoon. It was after three o'clock when we started out. We discarded our bicycles in favor of horses, which Mark had been able to procure for us. The trip up to Lavoca Castle was uneventful, and within an hour, we stood at the edge of the drawbridge, looking into the courtyard. Shall we go across? Of course. It doesn't show any signs of age. It has been perfectly preserved. I'll take you on a tour of the inside. We can leave the horses here. Uh, I'll give you a hand, Doris. That's all right, Grant. I can manage. All right. Now, just follow me. Mark led across the courtyard and into the gray building. The huge wooden doors were slightly ajar at the entrance, and with an effort, Mark pushed them open and let us inside. We were in a huge hall, which must have served as both a reception hall and a dining place. From there, he led us into the Baron's chambers, his wife's, 
which formed two sides of the massive triangle. Members of the retinue must have occupied the third side of the triangle. We visited each of the three towers which looked out across the countryside, giving a clear view of anything approaching. And then Mark led us down into the cells beneath the castle. Coming finally to another stairway, he turned to me. This leads down into the catacombs. Well, let's go down and take a look at them. Perhaps we... Oh, nonsense, Dor. We both have flashlights. I see you brought a gun, Mark. Nothing could hurt us. Let's go. All right. Oh, it, it seems colder down here. Yes, it does. I shall show you where they say the day goes sleeping. What time is it, Grant? Well, it's, uh, well, it's 7.30. Yes, we have been in the castle for several hours. We have been down here in the lower sections where there is no light for over an hour. I shall show you the Baron's resting place, and then we shall return to the inn. This is the chamber where he sleeps. Oh, Grant, there is someone in here. This isn't a joke, is it, Mark? I have never been down here before. It is no joke, as you call it. I want to have a look at him. No, Grant, don't. I can't believe it. This man seems to be sleeping, yet... Yet he's not breathing. Let's get out of here, Grant. All right. I've been nervous ever since I heard that dog last night. You say you heard a dog? Yes. There are no dogs in this area. No animal will come within miles of the town and castle. The animals feel it. That was no dog you heard last night. You mean... We have no time to lose. We must get out of here. Follow me. Yes. It was the warning you heard. I knew we shouldn't have come. Don't worry, Dor. We'll get out of this. I wish I felt that sure. Uh, the horses are out in the courtyard. It won't be long now. The horses are on the other side. Oh, they're, they're gone. What are we going to be do? Quiet. the drawbridge and out into the night, followed by the snarling wolves. We found our horses later and went back to town. When we returned to the inn, the innkeeper was relieved to see us. The carriage drove through here a while ago. I thought you'd all be dead. Providence must have had an eye on us. Well, it will happen tomorrow. What will happen tomorrow? The war. The war will begin. The innkeeper was right. The night we saw the carriage in the courtyard of the castle of Oka was August 31st. 
on September 1, 1939. The Germans marched into Poland, and the Second World War began. So runs tonight's tale of the unusual, the terrifying, the unknown. Join us again when next we journey down the corridors of the Hall of Fantasy to hear another strange tale of the supernatural. All characters and events portrayed in these programs are fictional, and any similarity to actual events or persons, living or dead, is purely coincidental. <laughs>